0: Welcome to the Be Brave Podcast, where ordinary, badass, brave women speak their stories of courage and strength. We hope that by hearing the struggles and successes of women, just like you, it will help you be brave.
1: Please note that the Be Brave podcast does cover adult topics that include overcoming adversity and areas of sexual abuse, addiction, depression, and other difficult experiences. You can turn a phrase into a weapon or a drug. You can be the outcast to be the backlash of somebody's lack of love. Or you can start speaking up. Nothing's
0: gonna hurt you the way the words do when they Today we are so excited to have Maria Grazia Indenbosch, also known as Maria, with us. Maria is the founder and managing director of the nonprofit Humanity Del Sol. She started her international nonprofit for aging out orphans in Argentina by serving 25 orphans and has now taken on over 150 orphans and is growing. This year, 150 new youth will be introduced to the program, and they will open the first income generating campus in eight transition homes. In 2012, Maria quickly recognized the need for a scalable, unrestricted revenue stream. So, she founded and is the CEO of Humanity Wine Co., a social enterprise company, which is an all-female venture-backed company that launched in April of 2020. It is currently based in Safety Harbor, Florida. Humanity Wine Co. is the first ever B2B and B2C e-commerce and subscription wine service that offers wines from around the world delivered right to your doorstep and... They donate 50% of their profits to life-altering programs for youth. For the past decade, Maria has dedicated her life to helping change the trajectory of high-trauma orphan lives through total life cycle programming and for-profit business that would support such work and challenge and change the development and for-profit sectors. In May of 2019, she was asked by the Argentine government to expand throughout the country of Argentina that houses over 700,000 high trauma orphans. This program is the only one of its kind in the whole country serving the aged out youth population. Maria believes social enterprise is the only way to do business. She is challenging others to do the same. She's been featured in Forbes San Diego Magazine, ABC Action News, and Tampa Bay Business and Wealth Magazine as a leading pioneer in the social enterprise space permission is a clear one from god isaiah 61 4 she is a self-proclaimed travel addict and has checked off travel around the globe from her bucket list greatest of all she is a servant of god she works hard to love and serve others with integrity transparency and love maria was born in sicily italy raised in new york city she's been a part-time resident of tampa florida mendoza argentina Lethbridge, Canada, and now resides in Safety Harbor, Florida. When she's not traveling, she enjoys Bible studies, painting, hiking, reading, and creating food and wine pairing experiences with friends and family. Maria, welcome to the Be Brave podcast. We're so excited to hear about this journey you've been on and how you almost landed in an Argentinian prison for, I'm going to let you share what that was for, but something that none of us would ever want to be accused of.
2: Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. I'm so honored to be here, Patty. You know how much I cherish the work that you do, and um, I'm really honored to be a part of this, this podcast.
1: We are so excited to have you here. That is such a great bio. I'm so impressed, and I'm really looking forward to hearing your story. I just want to read you the quote that we read to every one of our guests. One day you will tell your story of how you've overcome what you're going through now, and it will become part of someone else's survival guide. So we're hoping today with your story you are going to be helping others with what you have to tell us. Amen.
2: (laughs) That's why we go through things.
1: Yes, absolutely.
2: Yes. Well, I'll start with the Child Protected Services. It's the equivalent of the American Child Protected Services. It's called DNAF. So I was down in Argentina. At this point, I had been going to Argentina on and off since 2012 when I started the charity. At first I went as a volunteer and then I knew quickly, that this was my my call. I knew I needed to do something for these kids at this particular orphanage. So you can imagine, I started, of course, a nonprofit. I immediately thought, if I'm going to do good work, the society has told me that I should start a charity, a 501c3. So I went down the typical, the stereotypical avenue, which was hard, but the doors did open for me, which you know was great. And I would go down to Argentina every year, maybe twice a year. It depended on on what was going on, but I would go down there with supplies. I would go down there with money, everything you can imagine to try and help these kids. And in the meantime, I was creating this program because I knew that there had to be something bigger than just me bringing stuff down, you know? And so as now we fast forward about six, six, seven years into the program, I'm still working with this one orphanage. I am now working with the equivalent of the child protected services in that area. So now we're working with four different orphanages versus one. At that point, the charity, I, instead of me funding it solely because I funded it solely for the first six years of its life, working two to three jobs, I actually started to collect donations and I actually started to sponsor children. And so I abide by I understood to abide by the international child protective laws. I had no idea. I was very ignorant to the fact that Argentina is one of very few countries in the world that has its own child protective laws. So I was ignorant to, to the fact that when you use the word sponsorship, it actually falls under
0: human trafficking. Ooh. Oh, my goodness. I came. <laughs>
2: yeah. I had no idea, you know, in my head, we are, we're, we we were never public with the kids, but we did like, let's say Patty wanted to sponsor a child. We would introduce, well, I would pair them very strategically. I would pair them and she would get a bio of the kid and what her money would be impacting kind of like any other sponsorship program in the world. You know, we, we see them all the time. Um, world vision has a huge program internationally, but they are not in Argentina, which now I know why Um, that fundraising model did not work. So of course, as I was bringing in more and more revenue, and as I was helping more and more this one year in particularly in 2018, I started bringing people down to Argentina and we were collecting tens of thousands of dollars and all that money went to revamping the orphanage, kids, whatever they needed, the clothing, sensory therapy, and someone didn't like it. I think it rubbed someone the wrong way. And they started to tell the DNAF, which is the Child Protected Services, that I was posting photos of these kids online, that I was taking money for these kids and not t- using the money for the kids, which my books were wide open. So as this all kind of started to unravel, I got a, a phone call from a regional director of DNAF. And again, the, the equivalent of child protected services. And they said that they wanted to meet me. And I was like, oh, that's great. You know, I'm totally oblivious to all this. Like, yeah, absolutely. And so we meet. And they begin to interrogate me in a way that I to- was totally taken aback. And I quickly realized that they, they started to think of me in a way that I would never think of myself. And so that was the first, the first interrogation. The second interrogation, they actually came into my home. And at that point, they were asking me about my interactions with the kids and, that it, and if I was new to the area, which really struck me as odd because I had been going there since 2012. And this is now 2018. And so I started to understand this is not going the way I thought it would go in a really positive way. I was then charged with uh, human trafficking and I had to go to, I wasn't charged. I was, I was accused of human trafficking and I had to go to appeal at the, the offices with, you know, lawyers, the whole kit and caboodle. So at this point I had to take down, they asked me to take down every website every photo, everything I ever had. So the whole program I had to disassemble and the, the trauma that came from that is, is actually, I'm still dealing with it today, but, um, everything I ever did with my whole heart was questioned. And at this wow. point now, the founder of the orphanage, he knows me very well. I called him and he flew down from Florida to Argentina and, and was with me, uh, during the hearing. I had uh, two lawyers and I had the, the ministry of education. She actually backs us. So she came to, and at this point I had to present everything we ever did. I had to present, you can imagine again, a body of work at that point, they, they couldn't say anything. And I, I was now fighting for my life, but they couldn't say anything because everything was, I was so transparent. They didn't have anything too crazy to say. So we're just waiting, waiting, waiting at this point, the founder of the orphanage, he left. He vouched for me 100%. He said, if I need to come back, I will come back. Our lawyer was excellent. Um, He just presented what we do and how long I had been here. But someone lied to them and said that I was new and that I'd never been to Argentina. So there was definitely someone against me. And I don't know how else to say it, but they were definitely against what we were doing. Sure enough, long story short, they looked at our program and said, this was excellent. And this is exactly what the kids needed. And they apologized for everything that they had asked me to go through and put me through. And at that point, now we're in 2019, they had awarded me as a program of national excellence. And they asked us to go nationwide to serve all 700,000 orphans. So what was meant for evil was absolutely turned
0: for good. Wow. Maria, oh, yeah. I I know that story, and you just saying it again just gave me chills up the back of my spine.
1: I was going to say the same thing. I just got chills and a little teary-eyed. Like, I just can't believe that it turned... I'm so glad it turned around that way, but it, that had to have been scary, Maria. Oh, it was
2: terrifying. I I mean, we called... Every day, I was on international calls with people of you know a faith just praying for us. I just knew I was in a battle. I knew that we were we were in the battle of. I felt like I was in the battle of my life. And to be accused of human trafficking when your whole life all you wanted to do is help and serve is such a my goodness, it was a, a smack in the face almost. But it really built a character in me of of stronger faith and of knowing that I know that I know this is my work and whoever will try to push me down, nothing can stop that. Nothing will stop this work.
1: More chills, more chills. (laughs) I know. I love, I love your determination. When you started working with the orphanage, I know, uh, I think we mentioned in your bio, you work with orphans who are aging out. So that would be age 18. Yes. Did you start just like working with kids who are currently in the orphanage? Or were you, it was always about the kids who were aging out and would be left with really nowhere to go?
2: No, that's a great uh, question, Kara. Actually, I started with kids in an orphanage. They were like two years old to 18 and I was with them for several years. However, it was around 2017, just before I was accused of everything. It was 17 and 18, 2017, 2018. When I started to notice that the kids that I was with in 2012, 13, 14, by the time they hit 16 years old, they would run away. Like weird things started happening right at that 16 year old age, 17 years old, drugs would be reintroduced. And these are good kids. Like they, yes, they went through high trauma, but they were rehabilitated and they were very good kids. And all of a sudden they would just disappear and do really weird stuff. And I started to ask myself, what's going on? And I kind of go back into, I I have a a kind of affinity for trauma and brain, uh, what happens in the brain, neuroscience. And I started to go back into my studies and I realized when you are a person of high trauma, you tend to have your amygdalas just flared up on a constant. And so you're doing, it's fight or flight, right? We all know that. And I'll speak in those, you know, in simpler terms, which is they're constantly surviving. And so at that point, I started to kind of put two and two together, man, if these kids are 18, once they turn 18, they have nothing. They'll have absolutely nothing. Is that why they're running away at 16, 17? Because a lot of them were girls getting pregnant. And so I started to, I started to ask the girls, they they would keep in touch with me on Facebook. Thank the Lord. That's the only time I loved the whole Facebook thing was because they would contact me and I'm like, "What, what happened? You know, I see you're pregnant. Now you don't have the baby. Well, that's the only way I can make money because the government gives them money when they have a child. So at 18, they would, they would run away, get pregnant so that by 18, they would have something. And so I understood very quickly, like, okay, we need to figure something out because there's, we're understanding there's nothing for these kids at 18. So right at that point is when I said, you know, these kids at from two to 18, they're pretty much taken care of $3 a day. Granted you know, they don't get everything that you would want your kid to have, but at 18 years old, there's zero. So I need, that's where I need to focus. And once I shifted our focus to those 18 year olds, the floodgates opened. like everything opened for us to, to move forward and help these kids. And, and now the kids are talking to kids that they went to the orphanage with and would find them on the street and say, Hey, come be with us. Hey, we can help you. Uh, which is just, the cool Oh, that's the, so
1: great. great. Yeah. So now we focus on 18 to 25. Okay. That's your, that's your target 18 to 25 that you're helping with. I'm imagining life skills. You're giving them as you find, um, you're finding them places to live. I can't remember what transition housing. Yes. It's called transition housing. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So we, they get a one-on-one
2: mentor. They're paired very specifically to a mentor, uh, women with women, guys with guys, and then they do a psychiatric analysis. And based on that, we understand how much therapy they're going to need and what kind of therapy. So we don't just stick to traditional. We do play therapy, sensory therapy, uh, music therapy, all sorts of therapies based on what's going on with them. And from there, they do financial literacy and education. They learn all sorts of stuff about financing and budgets and how to cook, how to clean, like every skill you would imagine that you and I receive because we have chores as we're, you know, when we're kids, um, they get it all through our program. And then once they graduate to a certain level, they read Simon Sinek's Finding Your Why.
1: Oh, awesome. Love, Simon.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And once they read that, they actually have to present to us their why statement. And that triggers us to know that that helps us know that they are ready to move into their curriculum. Um, We call it their discipline and they get to choose from several different disciplines. And um, yeah, so from entrepreneurship to digital marketing, tourism and event planning, wine making culinary it's pretty cool and then from there they go through they do their workshop they do their internships and then job placement and that's where we are right now our our first class if you will is currently in internships and what we're seeing is no one wants a job they all want to start their own businesses Ooh we never saw coming, but
0: we're helping them
2: become entrepreneurs.
0: Wow. That's awesome. Well, they have a great example in their life, right? They, they have you who's been moving and shaking and, and overcoming obstacles as an example. And uh, I'm sure they want a meaningful purpose. And sometimes they, maybe they see through you that the best way to have the best meaningful purpose is to start your own thing and make an impact that way. That's awesome.
2: That's yeah, pretty neat. It's pretty neat to see that they all want to do something on their own to help others. It's always to help others. Oh, it's just so cool. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. That's just so like, oh, warms my heart. Yeah. The work is great. It's hard, very hard work. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I can imagine. man, Man, is it rewarding. I talk to the kids we have a chat and we all chat all the time. So it's just pretty amazing to see their evolution. And uh, it's just amazing.
0: All right. So uh, Maria, I want to ask you, you said that the Argentinian government was making you think of yourself in a way that you would never think about yourself, that they put you on the carpet and they were accusing you of human trafficking when all you wanted to do was serve God and serve the people. And these these unfortunate traumatized orphans and, and serve them. And so here you are in, I'm I'm going to imagine you're scared to death. You're in, you're in a, in a country that you're not a native of that is accusing you of doing the most uh, atrocious thing on the face of the planet, human trafficking right now, which is so, so hot. You're called to the carpet and you have to defend yourself. How are they making you feel? How are, how are they, what way were they thinking about you? that you wouldn't think about yourself. Bring us to that day in that time.
2: Gosh, I remember it like it was yesterday. I bet. I, um, I you know, I knew that I, I never did any of that. I knew that I knew I didn't do any of that. It was just, how could someone else think that of me? When I was so, I remember crying to my dad, actually. I was on the phone with him and I was like, I can't believe, you know, even the people at the orphanage they did some stuff to enhance DNAF's belief that I was this new person who kind of came out of nowhere. And I, so even, even the people you were
0: trying to help had
2: turned against you. Yeah. That's, and yeah. It, it blew my mind because I had just given them almost 30 or 40 grand in, in, in work and services. Literally, I, I paid for cars. I paid for uh, bathrooms. We, we paid for everything. And it was just, how could people do that? in my, I, it was not about how they, you know, people were saying this stuff to me and, but I knew it wasn't me. It wouldn't that didn't hurt. What hurt was that there was people who I gave my life. I, I literally went homeless. I lost my family. I mean, the worst of the worst happened. And these people that I thought was fit were family that I did this all for, how could they not stand up for me? How could they not say, no, wait a second. She's been with us for almost a decade. No, she's been here all the time. She always helps. She always is Trent. I give them all the receipts. I give them everything that we pay for. I, I just—it was more of a an eye-opening experience that you you can do what you can do, but you can never be responsible, and you can never control what other people view you as, see you as. And and I think it was a, it was a moment for me as a as a young adult because I was I was in my gosh, I don't know how old I was. Um, I don't even know what year we're in. T- <laughs> I, it was, it was like, I, it was just a, it was a moment for me to be like, okay, I will love people. I will trust, but I will also be very thoughtful moving forward. And I will dot my I's, cross my T's. Everything will be documented. My, my processes and procedures will be crystal clear. I will never go into anything anymore that blindly, pretty much that blindly. And it, it just made me tighten things up. It made me become more professional. It made me, yeah, and it, it made me more, sec- like I said, I, I grew in my faith. It made me more secure. Like, no, I know what I'm doing. I know that I didn't do this. And then when, when the trial came, and particularly the, the, the founder of that orphanage came, he flew from, on his own dime to be a part of this and the ministry of education backing me and saying, no, this woman is good. This is a good program. I, you know, you kind of realize it was almost like this battle of good and evil. Like, no, we're going to come out on top. I, I felt terrible. I felt how could someone do this? How could someone make such accusations? But um
0: I, I did, I came out really confident after it. Maria, it's so fascinating because you know this whole podcast is about overcoming adversity and overcoming the challenges that life puts on us. Well, your challenge is a, a lot more significant than maybe what some of us go through in life, right? And most of the women we have on this on this podcast that's true for. So it's always fascinating to me that I know your heart and you know forgiveness is a part of happiness. We can't forget, we can't be happy if we don't forgive and we can't be happy if we're not grateful. But how how do you forgive people who wanted to destroy you and wanted to take you down? And these are people that you literally were helping and they turned on you. And so I know, I think we're all doing the best we can. And for whatever reason, they turned on you probably because of some fear they had or some survival they felt like they needed to do. And and the rational brain will will get that. But in the time, like, how did you get through that? How did you get to the other side and the ministry of education and the founder of the orphanage helped you. But what about those people at the orphanage? The, the people that you might've suspected called you to the carpet and, and, and lied about you and tried to attack your character and, and defame your person yourself. Tell us that.
2: That I will tell you was a journey. That's for sure. I took two years, two years of officially like fighting Fighting every day, especially this one person who I let in and, and loved, and every day I said, "When well, I pray every day, I meditate, I, you know, all that good stuff." And um, every day I would say, "God, please forgive them, for they know not what they do." And every day I didn't believe it. I didn't. I didn't have it in my heart. But if I didn't say it, I had to say it every day. I had to say it out loud until finally I did. I just forgave them. I don't know how to describe it. like you you know those they say that you do those affirmations until it like it's a real thing in your head. That it was almost an affirmation for me to forgive them and keep forgiving them until finally I just did. And um about a year and a half in in the, in the summer of 2019. So now we're I was we were awarded this all happened 2018 2019. We were awarded at the end of the su- summer of 2019. One of the go- one of the one of the people who, did, who hurt me significantly and tried to throw us under the bus called me out of nowhere and was like, "Hey, I was thinking of you and wanted to check in." And my blood just started boiling. <laughs> Ooh, <I bet. laughs> now in my head, I'm saying, "Forgive him." I forgive him. I forgive you. I forgive you. And we're chatting, chatting, chatting. And by the end of the conversation, I felt forgiveness. Not I don't know what he felt. I felt forgiveness. I knew at that point that that one person. Okay. He was forgiven and I, and i I let it go. the other the people from the orphanage and whatnot that took many years. that took many years of me constantly constantly praying for them, constantly blessing them. I absolutely blessed them in my prayer, like God, please bless them, please grant them more wisdom um grant them grant them thoughtfulness and and discernment, grant them you know kindness I mean, I would just pray blessings into their life because if I didn't do that, it would hurt me more, but it was it was. Forgive them for they know not what they do. They really, I don't think they realized. I mean, I don't don't know in anyone's good nature, would you consciously be like, I'm gonna try and destroy this person. Like, I don't know people like that. Maybe you folks do, I'm not sure, but I don't know people who are like, I'm gonna go out and destroy this person. Like, (laughs) I don't know anybody who does that. So I have to believe there was something, like you said, there was a fear. There was definitely fear that, oh, Maria is doing so well. Is she gonna take over Cause that was their home. I don't know. There had to have
1: been fear and anywhere there's fear. There's nothing good. Patty introduced me to a great quote, hurt people, hurt people, whether they mean to or not, they just cause destruction. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. But the the person who called you to speak to you, did they call with the intent on apologizing? Or they just called you up to say, Hey, how's it going? Like not even acknowledging what had happened.
2: You know, that whole conversation's a
1: blur. Oh, because you were, were you stuck in your head and all that stuff while they were? Yeah, I would be the same way. I'd just be like, raw, 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 in my head. <laughs> yeah, you get, you get
0: flooded with emotion when yes. that happens. Your heart pounds, you can't think, you're like in flight, fight or freeze mode. That's right? exactly right. It's like, should I hang up right now? No. Uh You know,
2: I, this person, this one particular person was very, very, egocentric very self-centered I, I don't remember now the same person we had a, a sit down and a mitigation we had someone mitigating between us and he had completely oblivious to what he had done so i don't i don't remember that conversation i just remember the, what i felt i remember the end of it being like i think i forgive him because i realized how immature i realized there were so many things that you're oblivious to that there's a maturity level that there, that that person still needed to go through and i think it was like i almost felt bad for them and and i had to forgive them because they were they were they just didn't know like
0: they just didn't know yeah, yeah. forgiveness oh, it's such a great gift that you really just give yourself that right is- i mean yeah. it's just the gift and it, it is like a wave that comes over you i think the moment you realize that you really forgive that person and can move on i don't think we're supposed to forget what happens because i think as people it's like maybe a little bit of hey this looks familiar i don't want to land in the argentinian you know government trial again so maybe i need to check out what's going on but so we don't forget but i think forgiveness is like a wave that just comes over you and and it's i think it's always backed by gratitude of what you learned of like knowing that that person was doing the best they could and I love like hurt people, hurt people just always helps me get grounded and let me know that it's not about me. It's about them. And and that's part of forgiveness. But gosh, Maria, I don't know. That's a big thing to forgive. Like that kind of intimidation, you know, coercion and and really bullying. Like Karen and I did an episode on bullying. You want to talk about bullying someone to a terrible, terrible place. That's just...
2: We'll see about this forgiveness thing. I um, So now that same orphanage has my sweethearts. I call them my sweethearts. There's a group of kids that I watched grow up and they're about to age out, which means we get them. So, well, I'm praying that we get these sweethearts. Oh. <laughs> I'm praying that we get these sweethearts. Um, uh, yeah. And, and what that means is, is we, ha- our director in Argentina has been in talks with that orphanage and We'll see how I feel <laughs> right when, when I, when we're confronted with, will they allow us to go back to the orphanage to talk to these kids about our program where all the orphanages allow us to do that? Will this one orphanage let us talk about our program and how will I feel? Cause that'll be the real test. Like I've mentally in my heart, I, I love them. I love these people. I have forgiven them. But when we start doing business again, that'll be really for me, I think my measuring stick of how far I forgave them. So I will let you know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love how honest you are about that because I would imagine it would become personal again, right? It wouldn't just be, "Hey, this is their problem." It's no; these kids are so important to me and so significant in my life that I want to help them transition, and it becomes a personal thing again. It is. Yeah, I know these kids. Are you kidding?
2: Grow up, and I I gave them everything, and um, so it'll be quite interesting this is happening now. This is all starting to come back up. And-
0: what do you think you would do if you, if you couldn't help them transition? What, what, what do you think your backup will be? How do you think you'd be able to help them anyway? Or, or would you be able, what, what, how do you think you'll react if that happens? Have you thought about it?
2: Yeah, I have. The really cool thing is, is these kids, once they're 18, they're, they're adults and there are people on the street that we have. And there are people in other orphanages that know all the kids, like all this, um, you would call them social workers. We call them TAs, aunts and uncles. They all know all the kids, so they will let them know about us. So whether the orphanage lets them know and, and, and a beautiful, easy transition, or whether they have to go on the street, which that's what the worst case is do not. Cause then they're vulnerable to sex trafficking and drug trafficking again. And that's what we, we have to avoid the street. <laughs> so but we do have people to help us if that's the case and i do believe if these kids are supposed to be in our program god will absolutely direct them our way and um yeah so i i feel okay i i i think it'll be another layer of forgiveness if we can and and then why why are they not letting why do they not want the best for these kids will be the, the next
1: question is if that if that's the case you know and that needs to be questioned so maria I think Patty and I have done, maybe we've done a dozen of these now, right? And I feel like there is a running theme with the women that we speak with because everyone's gone through some type of shit in their lives that they've gotten through. All of them cite a belief, like a strong belief. So it's a belief in higher power, whether it's God or the universe or a belief in themselves that's really helped get them through. And whether it's prayer, like you talk about and asking for forgiveness or... One of our um, guests talked about gratitude, like even if you don't have anything to be grateful for, find something to be grateful for and just say it. So for you, I think it was, I don't feel like forgiving these people, but I'm going to ask for forgiveness for them. And then eventually it kind of softens you and allows you, it gives you freedom. And it's just it's it's been amazing to me to to hear that 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 is even though all these stories are so different a common theme is there is a belief a strong belief whether it's I believe in me I believe in God I believe you know the universe there's something that's at work here that I believe in. And that's going to help me get through, which is great. There's always something better. So I, I love, I love your faith and your talk about the forgiveness because eventually, yeah, you can't, you just can't do that on a daily basis and not soften. Exactly. In the beginning grudgingly, I'll tell you that. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I'm sure.
1: (laughs) I love how vulnerable and honest
0: you are because we all go through that. But a lot of us, sometimes I think people just want to say, yep, you know, you, it's forgiveness is in my heart. Well, it may be in your heart, but it may maybe take layers to get through and to, to go <laughs> yes. there and jump in there. It's it's somewhere down there in my heart. <laughs> yeah, and Maria, I want to get into like what you do at the orphanage and for the orphans that are aging out. And, but before we transition into that, is there anything else that you want to tell our listeners about your experience you know, being in, an, in a foreign country, in a foreign country government's legal system, being accused of human trafficking when all you're trying to do is help, help orphans who have been traumatized and get them some life skills so that they can, you know, live a decent life. Is there anything else you want to say or, or any words of wisdom?
2: Um, when you're in the battle? I think it's easy to, to why me, you know, why is this happening to me? And, um, but I think if we can look at the battle as a badge of honor that you're doing the right thing, you're headed in the right direction, that will empower you to do a different, it's a different fight. It then becomes, it's no longer, why is this happening to me? Or, you know, I just, you know, it, 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 life happens. (laughs) It's gonna, whether we're, you know, the Bible actually talks about it. You will be accused. It's, it's a guarantee you will be accused. So, if you can look at it and say, this is a badge of honor, I'm doing the right thing. This is why I'm being accused. You then have a fight of, no, we're going to win. It's a different confidence. It's a different um, knowing that trials and tribulations are going to happen in life, but how do you attack it? How do you react to it? And that's the only thing that we're in charge of. That's the only thing we're responsible for is our reaction. And so, um, yeah, I'd say that just look at your circumstances or whatever trial you're going through, and allow that to be a badge of honor. It, B- Patty, you have a shirt that I always loved and I always remember, if it doesn't challenge you, it won't change you. And this challenge in my life has allowed us to button up and we are just so, so good at what we do now. If you're not part of this process, okay, what has to happen? Where's we're in the process that we do this? Everything's documented, everything. It just made us better. It just made us so much better. So yeah, if it doesn't challenge you, it doesn't change you. And I think the mindset thing
0: awesome I, I love that Maria thank you for sharing that and what the biggest message I'm taking away from your your battle is that you, you if you're as long as you're doing the right thing in life and you have integrity really you you should be able to get yourself on the right course right we hope that that's the case I know lots of people are wrongly accused but in the end I hope that they're rightly convicted right I know that doesn't happen all the time but the conviction in yourself to know that you are doing the right thing, allows you to battle from a different place, probably rather than a a wise me, woe is me kind of thing.
2: That's right. My mentor, he's a, he was a billionaire. He's in the battle of his life right now in Canada. And he did zero wrong. And he's in the fight 10 years. He's been fighting. I had to only fight six months. He fought 10 years and he's still fighting and there will be justice. And I think that's how we, you know, whether it's 10 year battle, whether it's a six year, six month battle, whatever it is, if you know, like you said, integrity, and you are, you are know that you know, you did right. You may have messed up like, you know, unknowingly, but if you have integrity and you are transparent, I think transparency is key.
1: What do you have to hide? Go for it. Fight this battle. Fight the battle. Awesome. Can you Tell us how Humanity Wine Co came into existence then and how this kind of they work together. Yeah, absolutely. It, it was actually quite early in the program
2: where I just don't, I'm an immigrant. So let's, let's uh, first, I am an immigrant. So growing up in an immigrant household, you were taught to work your tail off. If you want something, you go work hard for it. You want to do something with your, with your life. You do not ask people for handouts. You go and you do it. And so charity was so bizarre to, to my world. I've been working since I was 12 to ask someone for money was very odd for me, very difficult for me. And so I already knew when I started the charity, I felt so uncomfortable asking people for money. I, like I said, I worked two to three jobs so that I would support it. But I, I knew at that point, like it was like two or two years into it, three years into it. Like I need to start a business that will support this. And so that's when I went into my history. I, I was bartended since I was 14 years old and I knew that wine was a big thing. And I just started looking into the research and I, I started looking at margins and well, then I sought out to learn the business. And so for five years, I studied under a wine importer here in Tampa, sent wines, beautiful, beautiful wines. We actually sell their wine now, which is so cool. <laughs> I studied under this importer for five years and he taught me everything about wine. He taught me everything about the wine business in those, in that time period, I would go back and forth from Argentina and I would start negotiating deals on wine. And so I start, I developed my own label. We did everything so that we would one day go to market as humanity, wine co, but with our own wine. And so I knew that I knew we would do it. I just kind of like thought it would be, you know, very far away. But then when we got awarded that program of national interest and to go nationwide with seven hundred kids. It just lit this fire, like, there's no way I can serve 700,000 kids with the money of donations. That's just that's just ridiculous. You know like, yeah, maybe we could raise a few million bucks, but we're going to need tens of, hundreds of thousands of millions of dollars to do this, and to go nationwide and then to take it and go to another nation and do it again. So I just knew fundraising wasn't it. I knew that the traditional fundraising model would never get us to where I know we will be. And so Wineco was formulated as a traditional wine company. So, you know, you go to a restaurant or you go to the store and you pick up wine. That's how we were formulated. That's how the business plan took, the business model. Um, but what was neat was the Supreme Court passed a law a few years ago that you can now go direct to consumer in 46 states. So that cut the need for $1 million investment. All I needed was, a uh, you know, 10, 20, maybe $40,000 to go to market. And I changed the model. Went to mark knew we were going to go to market by June 2020. Something happened in March 2020, and I knew that I knew everyone's home. Everyone <laughs> <knew> my- <laughs> <laughs> like let's do this. Uh, start the line, and we were flexible enough you know, it's good enough. You know, that was something that was a big hurdle for me. Perfection, uh, was terrible. Do not be perfectionist when you want to be a a business owner. That's just not, it's not going to work or it's going to hinder you from doing what you can do and have the flexibility. And I said, let's just do it. We're good enough. Let's just, let's just launch. And so we did, we launched in April, a couple months before we were expected to launch. And, um, our first year was pretty cool.
1: Oh, that's awesome. It was pretty cool. Patty and I are both perfectionists as well. And I have a saying that good enough is good enough. Yes. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to follow sometimes, but sometimes you got to take a step back and "All right, this time. Good enough is good enough and go.
0: Yeah. Perfectly imperfect is my new saying. There you go. That's, that's right. It.
1: Yeah. 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 So Maria, I love the fact that in, I know we read a lot of your bio in the beginning, but there are some other parts where you had said, Maria does not believe in charity per usual. And I love that because it's not just about the next grant that you can get or the next event, you fundraising event, and you're constantly trying to ask people for money. This is, I'm sure you are... Do you do that as well, but if this is a sustainable, you're selling product. And I think we said that 50% of the profits go directly to Humanity Del Sol, correct? Yes, that's right. 50%. I had to be bold and audacious with it.
2: I was going to do 80, but then my CPA was like, you're out of your mind. Do not do this. (laughs) You will flounder and you won't do what you want to do. And I was like, well, what's the max I can give? And he's like 50. And I was like, okay, fine, 50. And no other company's doing it. So we're really challenging the, the wine world. We're really challenging businesses, particularly those that have really high margins. Wine is a huge, incredible, very difficult barrier to entry. But the reason is because there's such high margins. And so uh, yes, 50% goes, goes to the charity. And this is why I probably don't have many, you know, churches who back me. And I don't have, I don't have any churches who back me. I don't have any foundations yet. Like there's not, we don't have grants. Like we don't, we don't do any of that. Not that it's a good thing, not that it's a bad thing. Uh, I want grants, trust me, we need as much money as we can get. But I have seen firsthand our donors, some of our big donors get hit up left, right, and center, constantly for money, constantly. This is, hey, it's, it's you know, end of year, everybody donate. You know, it's, it's Giving Tuesday, everybody donate. And you're, the, then I see the strain, the strain on my team when I was doing that, when I was in that cycle. Instead of focusing on the program, they're focused on money. And charities are not money people. Charities are people people or whatever your cause is. And so I just saw like this strain and stress. It's unsustainable. It's really unhealthy uh, within a company culture to constantly strain your team to go above and beyond. And then, of course, let's talk business, period, end of story. Just because you're a nonprofit doesn't mean that you're not a business. In fact, you are a business. You have budgets. You have a staff. You have overhead. You have everything that a normal business would have, but you're not supposed to advertise. You're not going to hire top talent, but I'm going to go save the world too. Like, let's do everything, but not hire people to do it. And so we talk ROI, return on investment. If I'm going to put in $50,000 for an event, and that does not include volunteer hours, that does not include um, your your team coming together, how many more hours upon their eight hour days, and you're going to raise a hundred K. Did you really raise a hundred K? Not really. It's a joke. It's an absolute farce mentality. It's, um, makes them feel good. And if you look at the numbers, if you look at the data, it's, it's a complete wash and I can't handle a business that is fantasy land. (laughs) I just just can't. And this is why charities, you know, we, you know, I don't, you know, I'm a business, I'm not a charity. (laughs) I just
1: can't.
0: Maria, what do you think the motivation is? Is it to not pay taxes? Is it to name your own salary and not have to justify it? What do you think the motivation is to be a 501c3 company then? Because I I agree with you. It is a business. It needs to be run as a business in order for it to make profit for the charity. Somewhere there's got to be profit to give. You might not want to call it profit. I don't know what you call it, right? Uh, but what's the motivation? Do you think? Well, first, what's well, you said something that
2: struck me. You when let's say I. So by the way, in ten years, first year ever, I took a salary. Right, Ooh. that's right. a
0: business owner's day, okay. right? First Good year. for you! Uh, Yay! I, hey. was, yeah. was, right.
2: I'm still at poverty, but hey, I get it. it. Um, I just, at least awesome. I took something. But um, actually, you do have to justify the salary, which is, you said that you could, you name your salary and not have to justify it. Actually you do when you, when you do your nine ninety every year, if you're over $50,000 in your budget, like if you have taken in over 50 K you're then scrutinized for every dollar, which is really cool because so if I gave myself a $50,000 salary, they're going to ask why, how many, how many hours did you give? So actually what's nice is you can't just name your own salary. It is nice that you are you are really scrutinized actually for for how much you give and get and all that stuff. But I think the 501c3 thing, yes, obviously it's a tax. I just think that people are ignorant. And like myself in 2012, I started a 501c3 because I didn't know any better. I wanted to do good. You have to have a charity. That's, that's a lie. Society tells us that you have to have a charity. Because if people want to give donations they should have a tax write-off well do I really want someone who just wants to have a tax write-off on my team which I call my donors are my team because the donors are our team. the donors are our people and so is that all I do I even want that person? like probably not you know so um, listen, it's great to give a tax incentive. I think that it's just we don't know what we don't know. We don't know that we can go operate an awesome business and create a charity and that you give money to, to just go operate the mission and don't worry about fundraising. You know, I just think it's, we don't know
0: what we don't know. I think you're so smart. I mean, in setting it up that way, I met you, I don't know, eight years ago. And when you shared this philosophy with me, it was spot on. It made so much sense. I was like, why, why has it taken Maria to shine a light on this? And and no one else has talked about it. I just think it's so incredibly smart. And I've experienced your wine. It's awesome. Mm. I, love your, I love your cause. I love the way you run business. I know your heart is in the right place always. You are not about things or money. You're about giving and serving. And, and I love you for that. Maria, how do people get connected to Humanity Wine Co.? How can they purchase your wine and help this amazing organization that you have in Argentina to help these, you know, kids that are aging out of foster care and help them have life skills? I love what you do. And I've had your wine. It's awesome. And it's fairly priced and it comes right to your door. And please tell everyone how they can get involved. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, of course, if you want to go right to the charity, humanitydollsoul.org, we do that. Course, we do monthly donations. We do, you know, major gifts, endowments, you know, anything along those lines. You want to do one time donation, we do that.
0: That's where I can donate monthly, right? That's where I donate monthly. And it's awesome. Yep. I love it. You donate monthly,
2: you get a monthly update. You're part of a private donor group. And our director is so cool. He's doing like these really great graphics of, of of what's going on down in argentina just very cool stuff that's very great um, but of course that's great i'm sure you're getting hit up left right and center to be a donor everywhere but you drink wine <laughs> 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 yes, <I know. laughs> instead of going to costco or instead of you know going to Publix or something like that just go to humanitywineco.com now our wine's we have increased our wine selection. So most of our wines, all of them, pretty much all of them have accolades or points. So that means that if they didn't get points, which if you have 88 points or more, you're pretty, you're pretty good wine, but that takes a lot of money to get points. So our family, we only work with family owned wines and at humanitywineco.com, you'll see, you can click on a wine and then you'll kind of see descriptions and their awards. So if they're not pointed, which is that point system that the wine geeks give, they are accoladed. And what's nice is because our our family owned wines are usually wineries are smaller. So it's expensive to get pointed, but it's cool because then they're getting awards. That's how good these wines are. And about 98% of our wines are organic and vegan, which a lot of people don't know about. We didn't do a good job sharing that, but uh, this year we're going to be highlighting that our wines are organic and yeah, fantastic. So it's really cool. Uh, The wine thing is something, it's passive. It's called passive charity, passive philanthropy. So if you get a a subscription, so let's say you sign up, you go to humanitywineco.com, you go to wine club and you get a subscription, whether it's eight bottles or 12 bottles, you get that to your house every three months. But every three months, it's all different wines. So you're constantly trying new things. You're constantly exploring new regions of the world and new family vineyards that you're not going to find out there because they're so small batched. They are really exclusive, which is just the coolest thing in the world. So yeah, you can get a subscription to your home. And then the biggest thing, actually, what's turned into our greatest part of the greatest chunk of our business is B2B corporate gifting that has exploded, (laughs) which has been fantastic for us because. When you get a gift for someone, not only do they get the wine, but then they get a letter and it shares the impact of the wine. So now your company has become a social enterprise with us because you utilize us for corporate gifting. And, we, and because we're nationwide, so let's say, Patty, you want to send you know, a great client that's maybe a snowbird up in Ohio or something, right? So let's say, or New York, and you want to send them a thank you, you can, we can just ship it right to Ohio coming from Florida, no big deal. So it's really, awesome. really great. Yeah. So you just go to right to humanitywineco.com. I believe there's 10% off. Don't think it's for subscriptions, but I believe like if you like move your mouse a little bit, you'll get 10% off. Yeah. <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> okay. And it's, it's just easy. It's just fun and easy. And if you love a wine, this is the, this is what we've, the feedback we've received from subscribers is when they actually find you know, two or three that they're in love with and they want all the time. Because 12 bottles every three months is not a lot of wine. If you're a normal wine drinker, <laughs> right? Like you're usually drinking like a bottle or two a week or so. But then they go and purchase bulk of that wine that they loved. And, and that's, that's how they find and
1: cl- create their collections.
0: Great. What a great concept. What a great, great concept. You're so brilliant.
1: I have a question. Yeah. I understand how wines can be organic but not vegan i don't know what wines yeah. oh, okay like, yeah. like, how is a wine vegan like i would think all wines are vegan
2: no I think it's the yeast ah okay in
1: my, in
2: naturally like logically i would assume it has something to do with the yeast the type of yeast that they're using um, but that's a good question I'll ask our sommelier we have a level three psalm who selects all of our wine. Um, but that's a really good question. I have no idea. <laughs>
1: okay. But they are all organic and they're all vegan just in case anybody's about
2: ninety ninety seven ninety eight 97, 98% of them.
1: Okay. Yeah. And it'll, it'll
2: note that on the
1: website. I would imagine. It will.
2: We're actually in the process of updating that. Cause we realized we never highlighted it. And that's a big deal. Cause you know, people get headaches when they drink. That's a big deal. I mean, I know that you drink wine and you're getting a headache. You're just not going to do it again. You know, like, why would you? Why would you buy cheap well, wine? Like, you, are you, you drinking
1: too much wine?
2: Or no, I'm just <laughs> ready. <Right. laughs> but we did. We just uh, we did uh, an incredible event. Actually, uh, it was a port night flight for a client here in Tampa, and one of his customers wrote us just last week. They said this is the first time we never had a hangover. What wine are you using? And we sent them all the wines from that night. But he he's like, I've, I'm in my 50s, and I've never had this happen to me. We drank so much, and I, never, I didn't have a hangover. And I was like. That's good. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> Woohoo. That's a
1: great selling point. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you want to have clean, I
2: know Patty and I were, we're big on this and I care. I'm sure you are too. You know, you, your health is a lifestyle. Yeah. You don't just, you know, so what you put in your body is, is quite important. And so if you want to have a beautiful bottle of wine with your meal, you know, make it a good one, you know, and make it something
1: that is changing someone's life.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. What a great cause.
1: Maria, I know that you do immersive trips for people in the US or maybe other countries to go and see your work in Argentina. Can you just talk briefly about that and let us know if more information can be found on your website? Yeah, absolutely.
2: So, um before the wine company launched, I've been in travel for many, many years. I was a travel agent. I think Patty, isn't that how we met? No. No. No, okay. Um, that was my first B and I group. I was a travel agent, and um, I I decided that in order for us to make more money, because again, I was not into raising funds. I was into making money for the charity. I decided to put together luxury trips, and those trips would we would generate profit from it, and from the profit, we would go ahead and give it to the to the charity. So we do have culturally immersive mission trips. And we have hunting trips, which we just added this year. So they're like no joke, big daddy hunting trips. It's red stag hunting trips. Um, It's $16,000 per person, all inclusive, no flights. Uh, And then our luxury trips are, as you can imagine, like top of the line, everything, the best of the best Argentina. And then there is one last trip. It's called the culturally immersive trip, which is part luxury, part mission. And that is invite only. Um, You cannot come and meet the kids if I don't personally know you or if someone I personally know introduces. So if someone that Patty knows and Patty can vouch for, because the last thing we want is strangers with all sorts of weird stuff and, 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 you know, introducing them to our kids. So we're very, very careful about that. So those, those trips are, have all been halted. As you can imagine, we do have our hunting trip for this year up, but they've all been moved to next year. And I believe the website for that, so there are two different websites for the hunting trip. It's humanityretreats.convertri, c-o-n-v-e-r-t-r-i.com forward slash hunt 2022. And that is a Red Stag charity hunt. It's amazing. (laughs) And then for luxury trips, it's the same thing. It's humanityretreats.convertri.com dot com forward slash luxury. And you'll see what that nine day trip looks like. The culturally immersive, like I said, if you are interested in that, um, you would have to contact me directly and
1: you can get my contact information from Patty or Kara. Thank you. Can I ask a question about the hunting? I know hunting for sport, but is it hunt and eat? You get,
2: so, okay. So you take everything if you want it. And if not, it gets donated.
1: Ah, okay.
2: Fantastic. I love it. Yeah. They don't, they don't like hunt just for like the, the mount they hunt for the whole thing. So you you take the whole thing and the the
1: entire animal gets eaten. Okay. I love it because when, when I think sometimes when I know when I hear, oh, it's hunting for sport and it's this luxury hunt. I picture people taking down elephants and tigers and like, look at me. And okay. But you said red stag and I'm like, okay, so this is probably venison and hopefully they're eating. It. And it sounds like if they don't want to take it home with them, you're donating it. And that's fantastic. Love it. Okay. Yeah. We get, we get all of it, which is great.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah.
1: Yeah. It's fantastic. These, these people
2: are top of the line. They're the best in all of Latin America that we work with. Yeah. They're incredible.
1: I wanted to clarify that for any of our listeners.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you actually get to eat your hunt. If you get it early enough, you'll actually get to eat
1: a piece of it. That is very cool that you have trips like that too, that uh, the proceeds go to Humanity Del Sol. That's
0: awesome. Thank you so much, Maria, for joining us today.
1: Thank, Thank you, Maria. You yeah, too. And if Pleasure. you want to get in touch with Maria or the organizations again, it's humanitydelsol.org and humanity co, com.
0: And yeah, Humanity Del Sol is spelled H-U-M-A-N-I-T-Y-D-E-L-S-O-L.org.
1: Thank you, Maria. Thank you for being brave and telling your story.
2: Yeah. Thank you. I uh, So many people have told me not to tell people because they'll get scared that I was charged with human trafficking, but I was actually accused of human trafficking. And I think, no, I'll tell people ah, our story. It's pretty cool. Got it.
0: It's a great story. You're doing good. You overcame it.
1: Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you, Maria. We hope this podcast has inspired and empowered you to overcome what might be holding you back from living your best life. If you love this podcast, please share it with a woman you know who needs a little empowerment. Now go
0: out in the world and be bold, be brave, be you. Perfectly imperfect you. With love. Kara. And Patty.
1: But I wonder what would happen if you say what you wanna say. Does this is just a practice that's going to be in our outtake at the end of this? Mixed and edited by Desmond McNeese for We Mixed It, LLC. Go to whatsoundsawesome.com.